0: The Bob Murphy Show, episode 170. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews conducted by a Christian and economist. Now here's your host, Bob Murphy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. Before we dive into the main content for this episode, let me remind you of the louis ck edition of adventures and pacifism so you might remember i have a contest i announced this a few episodes ago where i had just been scrolling around youtube and i stumbled upon some episode from louis or well, it was as a clip where uh, louis in a diner he's taking this woman it looks like it's like their first date just from the conversation they're having as he walks into the scene and then some high school punks come in and they're being loud Louis asks him to settle down, and then one of the kids comes up to him and says, "Hey, let me ask you something, Louis. When's the last time you got your rear end kicked?" And Louis like, well Because you heard me, and it goes into a thing, and he makes Louis ask him not to beat him up. It's just completely emasculating and humiliating, like it's painful, physically painful to even watch the scene. It's very well done. I'm, I'm saying that that was the intention. It's not that Louis did something wrong with the scene. It's that's what he was going for as the creator of this. And so my question was cuz of course you're watching this thinking oh I hope Louis just smashes his kid's face in like that's what you, you know you're, you're you're wanting him to do and so as a pacifist I was wondering hmm this is an interesting scenario what could Louis f- fictional character have done in this situation to a avoid being humiliated in front of his date which is what the kid wanted but b to extricate himself from the situation without using or even threatening physical violence. So that was, the, uh, that was the riddle or the question, the contest. And I'm going to have the people in my group vote on the winners and go to bobmurphyshow.com slash 170 to link you to the blog post where you can put your submission in and see the whole clip. Obviously, you need to see the clip to know what the answer should be. And uh, there's cash prizes. That's right. That's how important this is to me. But you got to get your submission in by Christmas Day. So after Christmas Day, I will close the contest and then have my folks vote on who they think the winners are because there's different prize levels. And then by the end of the year, by New Year's, I know you'll all be on the edge of your seat. You'll say, yeah, 2020 was pretty awful. But this contest that Bob sprung on us at the end there, that made it all worthwhile. I know how you people think. So we'll give you the, uh, the winners at that point. Let me jot a note to myself to make sure I don't forget to link that. Okay, so today what I want to talk about is this shopping cart theory. And I think I first heard it, Tim Pool, this is around Thanksgiving, and I just, I remember where we were. We were in an Airbnb, we were traveling for the holiday, and we had a Tim Pool episode on, and he made this quick allusion to the fact that, oh yeah, the, the shopping cart theory to see if self-government is possible. And I was like, What? And what I thought he was saying made no sense to me. And then I saw somebody else refer to it. And so I said, all right, well, at this point, if I hear two people talking about it, let me go ahead and do an episode on it. And so then I asked my folks to go dig up like something substantive that we could point to. So it's not just me saying, yeah, one time I heard this guy say something on a podcast and it seemed goofy. So let me read you the thing that they found for me. So this is a little bit different. So I'll go ahead and just read this so you guys have an idea, but then I'll tell you more of what I thought. The... the the way Tim Poole motivated it, and, and by the way, I'm not saying Tim Poole was endorsing it or something, I just he, but he was alluding to this theory, and like I said, the other person I saw too also had Tim Poole's text. So this thing I'm going to read to you right now, I'll go ahead and do it, and then I'll explain. This isn't exactly the thing that I heard Tim talking about, but it's close enough. Okay, so this thing I'm looking at, it's a screenshot they grabbed from somewhere called The Shopping Cart Theory. And it says, the shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize is the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, The shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do, because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage, who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. All right, so that's the substantive thing that we found as an example, just so I'm not vaguely attacking something I remember someone saying one time. But like I say, the so that I mean, this did mention self-governing, but this made it look like it was just for the individual. The way I have heard other people paraphrase it, I thought what they were saying is, the fact that there's people who don't take their shopping cart back proves we need a government. In other words, yeah, anarchy sounds great in theory. Yeah, freedom, man. Okay, Rothbard, whatever. But <laughs> Mr. Rothbard, have you ever been to a Piggly Wiggly parking lot? Have you seen what happens at Kroger? <laughs> okay, so there goes your private defense agency, doesn't it? Th- that's what I took people to be saying. All right. And so, That's why I'm doing this episode. I wouldn't, I probably would not have bothered doing the episode if I really just saw this particular meme that I'm reading here. So let's go ahead though and and dive right into this. So first of all, it's weird to me, given what they're obviously trying to do, they're trying to come up with some example of antisocial behavior and lamenting the fact, look, there are some people out there who go ahead and do this because, hey, there's no external consequences, even though it's clearly the right thing. What's weird to me about, picking this is this thing is just wrong when it says there are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their car. well i guess if they say is not able to but hey even in a dire emergency you're able to return the cart unless you know somebody shot both of your legs out okay so i don't think that this is correct and so let me just give you some obvious examples there are elderly people you know, with severe arthritis, let's say. And to the, for them, it's a super pain to take the cart, you know, out to the car, load the groceries in, and then I have to walk the cart all the way back and then walk all the way back to the car. That's very difficult for some people. And so you wouldn't want them to have to do that. I've, at times, left the cart. And especially since having a new baby, I take, you know, the baby and the groceries out to the car, load them up, and then I look around and there's no you know, depending on where I am in the parking lot. But by the way, I typically park really far away from the store so that it's easy for me to find my car. I would much rather lock in a guaranteed walk but not have to search for the car because it's, you know, so far away. It's not being obscured by the other cars. That's my meta strategy when it comes to parking in parking lots, just so you guys know, in case you care. All right. I, I like to lock in. It's I don't want variance. I like to go ahead. It's like I'm buying insurance on finding the car. I lock in that cost. I know I'm going to have to walk a little bit extra, but I know that extra walk is going to be locked in. It's not going to be this huge variance. Oh, I might find my car after 30 seconds of looking. It might take me 20 minutes of looking. I don't know. But no, I know exactly where it is. It's way over there. Okay, so when I'm in a situation like that, if I got a baby loaded in the car seat in the car, I'm not going to then walk back with the baby. I suppose I could take the baby back with me and then carry him back, but that's also a pretty big pain. All right, and so, especially there too, given where I park, I don't think there's any danger that someone's gonna need a parking spot if I have the thing, and I will try to put it somewhere where it's not blocking a spot if possible. All right, I also will, as a good little economist, if somebody else has left their car, I will go put mine, slide it into the other one, A, making it more secure so they don't roll with the wind, but also B, thinking, okay, on the margin, I'm not doing too much worse here. This cart's already here. Nobody's parking here because the last guy left his cart. Let me go ahead and load it up. Okay. So, and I think in general, I'm extremely conscientious about other people. All right. I've done, I've been in situations where I saw a rolling shopping cart. You know, I didn't leave it there. It was somebody else's. And I realized that might smack somebody's car. And so I had to sprint and run down and catch the thing because if I don't do it, no one else will. Gosh, darn it. This is my moment. I was born for this, right? So I've been in situations like that, All right? So it's not that I'm going around imposing on people, but in terms of weighing the pros and cons of it, the fact that somebody who is employed by the grocery store to go fetch carts, to me, seems like a pretty good solution to this problem. Also, if you really want to get wacky about it, depending on how big the parking lot is, to have those corrals, I don't know if that's, you call them stalls, where they have them out there. That's a pretty good solution, right? That knows you take your groceries out, you put it in the car, and then instead of you having to walk the cart all the way back and then walk out to your car, you have those stall things out there. And then when someone parks, they can just grab the cart and walk it back in, all right? So that, that's more efficient. That, that economizes on total steps taken by the community or even you know, to have it loose. So again, here, when they say return the shopping cart, it's not clear in their discussion, do they mean all the way back to the store or are they saying, oh, if they build the things, because that's, you know, I'm leading in now to the next point here is this is how in the real world businesses handle this kind of a situation. Yes, they recognize having shopping carts strewn all over the parking lot isn't good. And they also recognize expecting all their customers to walk a shopping cart, especially if it's a big store with you know people who might be parked pretty far away, and you know could have mothers with three kids screaming and loading in the minivan, and then to have to walk the cart all the way back and then go back to your car—that's impractical. So rather than expect your customers to do that, what do they do? They install those stalls or corrals, whatever you want to call them. It's strategic points in the parking lot so that depending on where you're parked. You probably don't have to walk very far, so that makes it a lot easier. I mean, by the same token, what if you're in the grocery store and you drop a jar of tomato sauce and it splatters? I mean, do we expect you to have to clean it up? No, the store employee comes and cleans it up. If you were at somebody's house and you dropped something and spilled it, you might say, no, 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 Jim, let me get it. I got it, this is I broke it, or whatever, you know. But when you're at a store, different social norms typically apply. And that's not just because, people are lazy when it comes to the store, but the store, you know, wants to make sure it's cleaned up. If some customer breaks glass on the floor, they want the employee to clean it up to make sure it gets cleaned up, that you want to make sure there's no broken glass there, right? So anyway, the fact that, yep, yeah, we've got this problem, it's a pain to get the shopping carts back. That doesn't cripple the operation of stores. Notice too, that it's, again, depending on like the, the version that I thought Tim Poole was making of this argument was oh, we we can't have self-government because uh, we have got the shopping cart problem, I mean, they're making it sound like this is some crippling thing. When no stores solve that all the time. It's not as if, yeah, wouldn't it be great to have a store where like you could get bunch a bunch of food items and maybe other household things that you would need? We could call it um, uh, you know, like a, it's like a market, but like a really good one, like a um, 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 like a supermarket. Wouldn't that be cool to have a store like that? Well, we can't though. Why not? Well, because they would need carts. And people wouldn't bring the cart back. And so, nope, there goes there goes the idea of a supermarket. Too bad. In some alternate universe where people are civil and courteous, maybe we could have supermarkets. Too bad. No, that's not what happens. There's not market failure preventing us from having big grocery stores. All right. So this this really isn't a problem that trips up society. Okay. We have solved, human beings have solved this problem, at least in the context of private property rights in a free market relatively free market. We have solved this problem. All right. Before I forget, let me just circle back. So saying this is a goofy thing to me as to why they pick this as the quintessential example, epitomizing who's a good citizen or not, or, you know, as a, as a litmus test. Because again, I've come up with all those other considerations, especially given that you know there are employees who get paid to go hunt down the shopping carts. And, and again, I want to make sure I'm saying, why should an elderly person with bad knees have to make that trip back and forth? Why would they have to do that? That's crazy, instead of having some 16-year-old do it. That's crazy. Just like the 16-year-old stock the shelves, right? Like, what, what kind of a lazy person expects someone else to go into the 18-wheeler at the back dock of the grocery store and take the product out and go put it on a shelf. And in fact, bring the items up to the edge of the shelf and face them off so they're nice and smooth and they look pleasing to the eye. Who, what kind of a jerk expects other people to do that for him? What are you, What are you, a baron? You expect other people to run around just getting stuff ready for you to consume? Yeah, that's called a customer who goes into a business. That's what that is. So again, why is it so weird that employees of the business would also go grab the carts? So again, given that people are doing that. That's how it works. It's not that selfish or crazy for someone to go ahead and leave their cart. So again, I realize depending on the permutation here, you could whittle it down and say, okay, what we're talking about is some guy, he's unmarried, he's got nothing going on. And there's a corral that's five spaces away and he's too lazy and he just leaves or selfish and just leaves the cart like diagonal blocking two spots. And it's Christmas Eve and the parking lot is mobbed and so now the next person comes has to put their car in park and then get out and move the car yeah okay that guy's being inconsiderate i'll grant you that all right but that's not the way this stuff has been motivated it's it's much more general okay so anyway though i'm saying i could think of much better examples for example people who litter all right to me that's a much worse violation of norms and just like hey man that's a party foul than people who leave their shopping cart out or uh, one time I was flying and the person sitting next to me got airsick and had to use the little vomit bag and went to open it. And it was like, oh, it was hard to open because the previous person had put, a, you know, they had chewed gum and then were done with the gum. And then what they did is they took the vomit bag and, you know, put the gum just in, in the top there and sealed it. So when the next person went to open it, you know, it was hard to get it open because there was gum in there right? That is a way worse example of anti or a better example, if you will, of antisocial behavior to me than someone leaving their shopping cart. So just saying, (laughs) if you think the shopping cart shows that we can't self-govern, wait till you hear about flying. So along these lines of, you know, it depends on the context and what society expects and how you could see different norms evolving. When I post about this in my private group, Robert Cameron Weir had a good research. Several people anticipated just about all the main points I'm gonna make in this episode. So at this point, my consciousness has been uploaded to the cloud and now the Bob Murphy Show supporting listeners can effectively pass the Bob Murphy Turing test, but putting that aside, so this is what Robert Cameron Weir said. I think it is interesting how such questions are almost entirely contextual and not based on absolute principles. For example, if you don't clear your table at Burger King, you're being inconsiderate. But if you try to take your dirty plates into the kitchen at Chili's, they might call the police to have you arrested. All right, let me just make sure you got that. That was a good one, right? So he's just saying it depends on context. For example, if you don't clear your table at Burger King, you're being inconsiderate, right? So he's saying like, you know, you go order stuff, they give you the tray and you sit down, you eat it and then you just get up and walk away and you leave your tray and all the you know, wrapper and stuff from your Whopper sitting on the table, people seeing you do that would be like, what a jerk. How hard is it for you to carry your stuff over to the you know, garbage can, dude? This is back, folks, when you were allowed to eat inside restaurants. But if you try to take your dirty plates into the kitchen at Chili's, they may call the police to have you arrested. All right, so he's saying at a Chili's, which in the grand scheme, Burger King's a restaurant, Chili's is a restaurant that, again, before 2020 had dining options. At Chili's, you're supposed to get up. The socially correct thing to do is to just get up and leave all your dirty dishes there and walk out. And the employee comes and gets it. And in fact, if you tried to bush your own dishes and stuff at Chili's, people would be like, what's this weirdo doing? All right? So it's not that there's some absolute principle of, come on, take care of your dishes at a restaurant. It depends what kind of restaurant it is. So, and so this is back to Robert. So, in what sense is clearing your table indicative of the ability to self-govern? If you let a minimum wage worker return your cart at a supermarket, you're being rude. But if you try to pump your own gas in New Jersey, you're breaking the law. Right, in case you don't know, in Jersey, they have some regulation that all gas stations are full serve, okay? So again, he's saying here, you know, so he's switching examples saying, the, the, according to this meme, you saying, oh, okay, I guess apparently the way this business operates, I just leave my cart here when I'm done and then someone comes and gets it. And there you're being lazy and rude and selfish. And he's saying, but in Jersey, if you pull up to a gas station and be like, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't expect somebody else to pump my gas. I'm not the queen of England for heaven's sakes. Here, I'll pump my own gas. Tank. There, you're literally breaking the law if you do that. It's not legal for you to pump your own gas. You have to let the store employee do it for you. So again, he's saying These aren't abstract principles of human nature. This is all extremely specific to the social expectations and the customs and in some cases, literally the government regulations that are relevant. And so now this is the last thing I'll read from him on this. He says, so doesn't this just reduce to the banal observation? You ought to do what you ought to do. Again, I don't see any real principle at play here. So that I think is is relevant. and And he put it very well. Another example of how do private businesses deal with this problem. Again, the problem being we got these carts and we we obviously need to get them. There's only a finite number of carts. We got to be able to get them from the parking lot back into the building somehow. So subsequent shoppers can use them. How do we do that? And we've talked about one option is the store has corrals or stalls and encourages you know the customers are encouraged to bring them back to that thing so they're not blown around to smack into people's parked cars but then the store employees are the ones who go out and hunt them down and then you know you see the people wheeling back and by the way have you seen it the, the big stores they've got like machines that help them all right so they can go like one kid can push like 30 carts because he's got like this machine that they loaded into at these bigger stores if you've seen those all right, so this is, this is Go Capitalism. So that's one solution, but there's a different solution that Aldi has come up with. And by the way, apparently it's Aldi, even though you want to say Aldis. There's no Aldi who possesses the store. It's just Aldi. And that, if you've never seen it, it's, it's very clever. So they have each shopping cart on the right side of the handlebar has like this little lock like a like chain a little chain with a lot it's kind of like a like a bike lock you know those old school bike locks that you might have when you were a kid that had like the spinny things on them like a cylinder is that strength of a key you know? so it's not like fort knox but there's no gold in fort knox anyway so there's really no need for a big lock and it like plugs in to the cart ahead of it right so like all the when they're sitting in the the corral that's just outside the store entrance, which is you know where everybody goes to grab their cart from, they're all sort of locked together, and so the and the way you get it out is there's a little groove that you can fit a quarter into, and by you putting the quarter in, that unlocks it so you can pull that one cart out, but the rest still remain chained together, and so that's a very clever solution. And so then, how do you get the quarter back? Well, you got to go ahead and bring the cart back. And then you get the quarter back. And that little trick incentivizes people to bring their cart back, to get their quarter. It's kind of funny, really, because for most people you would think is a quarter really worth it to you to do that? But apparently it is. You know, there's probably some behavioral economics at play there where, you know, in other contexts, the two minutes out of their life, they wouldn't spend 25 cents for. But yeah, no, I want to get my quarter back. Gosh, darn it. I'm not going to give that to the store and give them the satisfaction. People bring the cart back to get the quarter out of the lock. Or I suppose, I don't don't know if this is what's at play too, but conceivably, if there were an Aldi with a big parking lot and there were people that left their cart lying around, they would have a quarter in there and the way you'd be able to get the quarter out was to bring the thing back. And so just like, you know, I think that's part of the theory with the making, you know, a nickel for cans to be recycled. That's what it was in New York State. In other states, I think they had different amounts or some states didn't do that, but... That was part of the issue too. It was, there were plenty of people who still would throw their cans out and didn't care. But then like homeless people or other people who are really hard up for money would go around scouring for cans or like after a party, you know, the kids would go around and pick up all the cans because if you got a bunch of them, bring them back, then you get some money, right? So likewise, I don't know if it, the, all the, that we go to, I've never seen this, but again, in theory, depending on the city or something, maybe, you would have homeless people, other people going around grabbing the carts and bringing them back to get the quarters out of it. I don't know. But in any event, the point being, Aldi does not need to have an employee going and doing that. And if you're not familiar with this, the store's business model is they get rid of all the perks and pass the savings on to you, right? So it really is, you can get a lot of good stuff there for surprisingly low prices, but they nickel and dime you for everything, like quite literally, right? That like to get the bags, you know, the the brown paper bags to put your groceries in, you have to pay for those, like each individual one. All right. And so there's just everything is very cheap. But that's because, again, they have very low overhead compared to a typical grocery store in the United States. For one thing, they're not paying employees to go round up shopping carts. All right. So that's uh, that's how it works. Folks, let's take a break from the discussion for me to once again remind you that if you like what you hear, you like the guests that I bring on and The perspective I offer in the solo episodes, by all means, consider making a contribution. The more such contributions I get, the more episodes I can do per month, just as a justification for using my scarce labor hours on this outlet that I love, but yet does not fully pay the bills. And so I can only do it part-time thus far. For details on how you can do that and all the special bonuses, depending on your level of contribution, go to bobmurphyshow.com slash contribute. Let me just mention If you've made a qualifying contribution and you're supposed to get let into the Facebook secret group, shh, it's a secret. And it's been more than two weeks since you've made the contribution and I haven't gotten back to you, that means I somehow missed the note in my inbox. And so don't be shy. Please get in touch and just let me know. uh, Make sure that I get everybody in there who's supposed to be in there. Last thing I'll mention is whether you contribute or not, another way you can certainly help is subscribe to me on YouTube and When you come across an episode that you realize some of your friends might be interested in or, you know, a coworker, and I'm going to be trying to make more episodes that are catering to someone who's not a true believer, as it were, then sharing the episodes with people like that is another great way for me to get the podcast out in front of more people. Thanks, everybody, for your support. And let's get back to the episode. I was thinking for this episode, I should probably go try to get Aldi to to sponsor me since I'm giving them a free commercial. It's market failure, the fact that I haven't done that. You know how many episodes I would devote to Aldi if they were paying me? But let's move on. So that's another example, though, just to show, yep, we've got this problem. And guess what? Private businesses can go ahead and solve these problems, right? So it's not denying that there is an issue. There are conflicts among humans over scarce resources. The issue is, though, that this doesn't, really reflect one way or the other on whether self-government is possible. Speaking of which, let me go ahead and read that famous quote from the Federalist number 51. So the thing I'm looking up here says the author is either Alexander Hamilton or James Madison. I don't know if subsequent historians like, you know, have a better idea of who or who actually wrote this one, but here's the famous thing. If men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In framing a government, which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. Right, so that's pretty good. I don't know why they didn't just hit on the notion of just having the women in charge, but so be it. So that's that's a pretty famous quote from the Federalist Papers in it is relevant here, okay? So again, let's take the thing on in its its own terms. Yes, there are jerks out there. There, there are some people able-bodied, they got nothing going on, who won't even take the time to bring their cart back. Can you imagine that? And again, in the words of that original meme, a person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal, an absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a the law and the force that stands behind it. Incidentally, the person writing this violated the rules of grammar, right? Because it's just by threatening him or her. Well, I guess we don't know that technically. Maybe the person not bringing back the shopping cart says that the desired pronouns are them, they and them. I don't know. But in any event, you can see how this person thinks that the shopping cart test tells us something about the self governing ability of the person. Okay, so this person must, who, who wrote this and all the people who agree with this. By the way, there had been a someone in my group linked to a, a Facebook post espousing this theory. And the people in the comments were generally on board. They were like, oh yes, definitely. I Some people were even boasting about like, even though I have a disability, I always bring the thing when they were getting like 30 hearts. And so it was like, why? Why are you doing that? Why are you hurting yourself? That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, all those people too, is who I have in mind, like the people who endorse this, so you guys aren't, aren't for universal suffrage, at least for adults, right? You, you must not be for democracy then. You, you just said these people are not capable of self-government. So why should they be able to vote? I mean, clearly they're savages. So why would we let savages be in charge of picking our political rulers? All right, so that's, that's the thing is a lot of times people, the arguments they use to explain to you why, for example, a Rothbardian type framework won't work because of you know, human nature and all oh, the way people are. Yeah, in a society of people who are very virtuous and blah, 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 blah. Sure, maybe that system would work Murphy or, or Rothbard. But in the real world, people are like this, this, and this. And they usually describe people who are very vicious and self-centered and so forth. And that's why we need to have the state to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, so then why do you favor democracy? You should favor like tyranny or some sort of elitism you know, oligarchy, perhaps. The rule by the elites is what you should favor, right? Or the rule by technocrats. But you certainly shouldn't believe in one person, one vote if your whole theory is people can't govern themselves. And yet, I dare say most of the people endorsing the shopping cart thing are vociferous defenders of one person, one vote and that principle. And they would be horrified if you said the democracy is a terrible system. They would think you were a jerk. They'd be, I bet you that's the kind of guy doesn't bring a shopping cart back. He doesn't like democracy. What kind of a monster is that over there? And yet notice that the two don't go together. So just as whatever the society's level of responsibility and initiative it is regarding bringing shopping carts back that ultimately say, hey, the way to solve that is to have private property rights, let different stores try different formulas or models. Aldi has its model. Wegmans has its model. You know, other stores might even just have the employee take you out to the car. They might have loading docks in the back. You know, there's all kinds of things you could do. Again, it's interesting. I've, at various points in my life, I lived in some bad neighborhoods and it was interesting to see how the businesses there had to deal with it. So, you know, in one place, like it was a Chinese restaurant that would stay open late and it was not a good neighborhood at all. And they, I, I think it was bulletproof glass. It was certainly very thick glass that they were behind, or, or plastic, and it may have been literally bulletproof. I don't know, but I mean that's that's how they ran their store. And there are other places where, like if you go into a, like a uh, like a convenience, not even a convenience store, like in the, in a bigger, city, like I think they call them bodegas and stuff, like like a kind of a corner store that just had beer and stuff like that. And if you wanted to get razor blades like that was like in plastic behind the counter kind of thing you know whereas in some stores like maybe maybe if you go into a walmart the actual xbox and playstation and whatever like whatever you crazy kids are into these days like that stuff just like the the placeholders hanging on the wall and you got to go take it to an employee to actually get the the physical thing because they don't you know that stuff's too valuable and the kind of person that's going to steal you know a game is is different in other words They have stuff hanging in Walmart out on the shelves that's more valuable than an Xbox game, but like no kid's going to go in and steal a power drill or something, you know, whereas kids are going to go steal an Xbox game, right? So that type of model, I've been in neighborhoods where you go in the store and lots of stuff is locked down like that just because shoplifting is, is a bigger problem in that area, but yet, It still makes economic sense to have a store. And so that's the solution they hit on. You know, or in the other places too, like, oh, I went to take my car to get repaired one time and it was a bad neighborhood. (laughs) This is the reason I had to get it repaired was because someone smashed in my window and stole my C D player. It was an Alpine C D player. I liked it because of Easy E growing up. He alluded to it. And I went to pay with a personal check. And then no, we don't accept personal checks here because you know, because it's a bad neighborhood. And you had to give them like a, you had to have like a money order, a cashier's check from a bank or cash, obviously, right? You couldn't just go in there with a personal check. They wouldn't take that, right? So businesses come up with solutions. So yes, society will work better if everybody's law abiding and extremely courteous and so on and do things that are efficient, things will run better. But when you scale that up or down, that doesn't change the viability of, having voluntary property rights vis-a-vis having a coercive state. Because again, it's, it's not enough just to say, oh, private business doesn't work as well when people are vicious and antisocial. I mean, that, that is true. But when you say we need to have a state instead of private businesses in charge of things or having a, you know, a, an ecosystem full of private competing businesses and individual property owners versus having one monopolistic agency just by changing the variables so that the competing private businesses that outcome isn't as good that doesn't clinch the case for the state you have to then check okay what we just fiddled with does that make the outcome under the state better or worse right this is the classic mistake when people say oh you like somalia we'll we'll look at somalia when it was stateless it was terrible right. And Somalia, when it had a state, was even worse. That's why the state fell, because it was so horrendous under that guy. And there were empirical studies conducted by Ben Powell and some co-authors that looked at Somalia before and after the fall of their tyrannical state. And guess what? By several metrics, and not just like GDP, but things like infant mortality and literacy rates and stuff like that, Somalia did better after its state fell, so like that's always the relevant comparison. It's it's not for the same group of people. The, the claim is not that Somalia, in a state of, and let's say a condition. I don't want to say, use the word state in a condition of anarchy, a lack of a state, is a better place to live than the United States in 1970 in Idaho, with its limited Republican constitutional government. That's not the claim. The claim is same group of people, same level of observance of social customs and so on, same proclivity towards warlordism and tribal warfare. Do you make things better or worse by giving one group all the guns or the monopoly on the use of those guns, the legal use, and uh, armies and prisons? Wait, really? If, do you have a bunch of people who want to wipe each other out? And you say, oh, well, the way we're going to get this under control is... Let's let one group inherit a prison network and a bunch of tanks and nuclear weapons and a spying apparatus. That, that'll that really instill some civil behavior. <laughs> you know why what the NSA needs to do? It needs to tell us who the people are that don't bring their shopping carts back. And then, and then what we're going to do with uh, Guantanamo is send all the people there that habitually don't bring the shopping cart back and then problem solved. Really? All right, so if you haven't, ever seen me lay out the case for how private businesses could not only solve this vexing shopping cart problem, but could also solve problems like, hey, sometimes people steal things and hey, sometimes people kill other people, even though there was no good reason to. Yep, those really are problems. But just stating that does not then justify the creation of a coercive state that has all the attributes like taxation and the ability to draft people for war and so on and to exempt itself from standard rules of morality, that does not follow at all. So I won't go into that here. I'll wrap this up. to have a relatively short Christmas time-ish episode. But I've made that case elsewhere. So it's in my book, Chaos Theory, and then an article I did in Libertarian Papers extending the analysis. If you've never read those, I encourage you to do so. I'll put links in the show notes page. And then also I've given some lectures at Mises University on this stuff. So one, I gave a lot called the market for security, where I go through private law and private defense. And then because I was always rushed in that, I asked, hey, can I just do a standalone one? And so in 2019, I did just a talk on the market for military defense, just to elaborate on those points. All right. And elsewhere, I've done articles on the possibility of private law as well. Okay. So I'll Put all those links in the show notes page for so this. Again, this is bobmurphyshow.com slash 170, where you can see me show how private businesses respecting property rights can deal with these problems. Because yes, they, they are problems. There really are hostile people out there who want to take your stuff and kill you or who would be willing to. And there are foreign governments that have armies. That's true. But from that, it does not follow that. Therefore, the way we need to organize our society is by having a course of state that does not follow. OK, everybody, I hope you have or will have a good Christmas and I will see you next time. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show, the podcast promoting free markets, free minds and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit BobMurphyShow.com.